welcome, welcome, welcome to the debut episode of Chillin' with JR and Blair. I am Blair, joined by my incredible co-host. You have heard him before. We've done podcasts before on the Greenmaker Pod, but joining me, JR. JR, how is it going? Good, man. It's nice to uh, dive into this new venture with you. Yeah, I've, I've been on your show a few times reviewing aw shows and previewing aw shows and we tossed around a couple of different ideas of like maybe new podcasts to try and we just kind of came to this thought that why don't we do kind of line up these shows where you know whatever you might think of aw currently which we'll talk about uh, mm-hmm. in a little bit there's no denying that their pay-per-views are absolute home runs i think aw is the best pay-per-view promotion of my lifetime and I think to kind of do these podcasts once a month uh, about AEW and AEW specifically, I think there's a hopefully an audience for that of people that, you know, don't want to sit through NXT previews and uh, <laughs> the like that you might hear on other uh, podcasts. So we're focusing on AEW specifically. We're going to try to do these once a month to line them up with what seems to be a once a month pay-per-view schedule for AEW now. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited to do this and I hope the goal here is that if you like AEW, hopefully you like this podcast too. And that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. And that was the thing. We wanted something where we could, you know, produce a, a, a podcast, but not be, you know, have to do it every week or every 10 days or anything like that. So we figured once a month just to talk about all the going ons, get you ready for what's coming up. And this, it seems like it'll be a, uh, you know, it works for both of us. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. have a lot of listener commitment. Hey, one episode a month, you're set. You can't go wrong yeah. with that. So what you, more could you ask for? How could you not listen to this once a month? That's that's not a chore at all. And honestly, part, part of it for me too is that when I'm watching AEW, like I I love AEW so much. I'm so happy that it exists. Pre-AEW, I was so hoping for something to exist like this. I had been watching like old Nitro tapes and... Uh, not tapes, but online stuff and, uh, you know, watching New Japan and Ring of Honor shows before AEW and this AEW coming around like, you know, was the kind of the perfect promotion for me as a fan. Mm-hmm. And what what I what I don't want to happen is like if we were doing this more often, I think it would just turn or it would change how I watch the product. And I don't want to change like I don't want to be watching AEW and thinking about, oh, this is I'm going to have to come up with some kind of take to talk on the, you know, to to mention on the podcast. Whereas I want this to be like we do this once a month. We're both fans of AEW. That doesn't mean we won't be critical of it when it calls for it. But I think, you know, you're getting a fan perspective on AEW through this show. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we're going to be talking about the big things, you know, the the big news items that are still relevant when it comes time for us to record together. And so we've we've got a list of four or five things that we're going to talk about. And then we'll preview the pay-per-view. And I think that's that's the agenda that we're going for now and hopefully it works and hopefully people like it. Well, when we first decided that this is what we were going to do, we kind of, it was about middle of October-ish, we were like, hey, we should start, you know, kind of figuring out. And one of the big things right around them was Sting announcing that this was going to be his final go. He was going to be wrapping yep. things up next year at Revolution and that was going to be his swan song. And you've seen it. I mean, even this past week on Dynamite, they they mentioned, you know, like this is the first time he's been in Portland in over 30 years, I think it was, which is like that blew my mind hearing that because I figured it had to have been more often than that. But now we are seeing the swan song, the final chapter in his career. And it's almost weird to 
you always hear about wrestlers being like, okay, they they have four or five retirements, but like in my lifetime, I haven't really seen that, but it's weird that I've seen like three sting retirements, but it actually seems like this is one that's going to set and this it's going to be a final chapter for him. Yeah. And to give credit to him, it's not, I don't think he ever really like did a retirement match or was like, came right out and like, this is it for me. Um, I think there was the perception that that could have been the end for him in, at the end of WCW. And uh, and then the same thing. I mean, seemingly he was going to be done with TNA at the end of every year. And then, you know, Dixie Carter showed him the money to stick around. But this felt like, like, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, I'm getting worked here. But when he said, you know, the only thing is for sure is that, you know, revolution is the end for sure. Or whatever he said in that promo. I'm sure I just butchered it. Um, <laughs> but that's like this feels like it's going to be the end for him yes and one of the brilliant things i i think about how they set this up is that this this past week we're recording this monday night um so on on dynamite and collision this past week we had we got two sting matches which is super rare but what what i like about this retirement stiff and telling us ahead of time what the end game is is that we now know that between now and march whenever they presumably March when they'll do revolution. I think they've done it in February before, but that every single sting appearance and particularly every sting match from here on out feels special because you know, it's one of the last chances you're going to get to see him in part because I believe him when he says that he's going to be done. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm looking forward to this. I'm also kind of disappointed and saddened by it. Although the reality is he's going to be 65 almost by the time he retires He's on borrowed time at this point anyway. I think it's this has all been kind of gravy, this run. And I'll be, one when we're previewing Revolution in March or whenever it is, that'll be a good time for us, to, I think, to really dig into what he's done in AEW and kind of look at his cage match listing and go through some of his best matches and whatever. But I, I've Sting is arguably my favorite wrestler right now, um, which is, I think, crazy when you consider the the depth in AEW. But I, I'm, I'm a, it's mixed emotions that... Um, that this is happening because I, I would like it selfishly to go on longer, but I also realize that realistically this, that makes sense to kind of end it at, at this time that he is. Like, I think when he was first brought on, nobody expected him to have this run that he did have the, you're th- expecting a lot of cinematic matches, which we got very early on, but then you saw him, you know, participating in ones doing these massive dives and like, you know, he's being put in spots where he's protected, which obviously, I mean, he, he's 65 years old, but it's worked every step of the way. And I've loved that because we have been able to get some incredible moments, some incredible matches. And I really think that heading into revolution, we're going to get something special because even, you know, like you mentioned this past week, getting two matches and he's getting matches against guys who, you know, realistically, I would never expect the outrunners to get a a match against Sting, but like Mm -hmm. what a huge thing for them, you know, it may only been a two or three minute match, but it's still, you know, wrestling Sting. It's something they can, you know, put a feather in their cap, say, say that they were able to do it. So for a lot of these guys being put in those positions, like the righteous as well, you know, like maybe it's unwarranted, but Hey, why not? You know? So like to see this, and I'm really excited just for the build to revolution to see what yes. they're going to do, who he's going to be facing off with, because obviously, you know, there's, everyone's going to be fantasy booking, just the who's the where's what's going to happen. And that is what I'm excited for, because 
it's a story that we don't know. We know the conclusion, but we just don't know how we're going to get there. And that I'm excited to see how it's going to be all laid out for us. Well, let's lay it out. Well, you and I, that's why we have this podcast. So oh, I'll tell you what I don't want. I don't yes. want Sting versus Darby at Revolution. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Because here, before before you go, let, let me let me just back up what you're saying with a, a quotation from Sting himself. Okay. Um, so this is from so late last year, this is December 29th, 2022. So about 11 months ago, the ringer did a, a feature piece on Sting. And then a, the, a month later, uh, I think it's uh, D magazine did the same thing. I recommend them both. They're really good. If you're a fan of Sting, they're like long form feature stories on him. And I couldn't remember which one this quotation came from, but I, I found it the other day. So this is a direct quotation. This is from Sting. Actually, this is from the piece. So it says, He's already plotted out his end game, which he plays very close to his trench coat's inside pocket. And then this is a quote from Sting. He says, well, I know Darby is going to be a part of it for sure. I won't have a singles match at this point. Darby will be along with me and I'll be along with him and we can add more to it as far as I'm concerned. But I have a few people in mind and, and I don't really want to say now. So there's a couple of things from there. One is that this is almost 11 months ago and he had an idea in his mind of what he wanted his retirement story to be. But getting back to what you said originally, and I was going to say the same thing. I think we've maybe even talked about it before. Um, I don't want Sting and Darby in a singles match. No. It's it also now he could change his mind. That's 11 months ago. Everyone mm. can change their mind. I don't think we're getting a Sting singles match. And I think it's uh, from a marquee standpoint, I can understand the appeal of Darby and Sting. Um, you put it on a marquee or a match graphic. The story just kind of sells itself. My my concern would be once it's in the arena and you're envisioning it playing out, I think Sting would be overexposed in, in that scenario um, from an in-ring standpoint. And obviously they'd be outside of the ring and they'd be brawling or whatever too. But I think they've been so smart in how they protected him by having Darby as his tag partner and doing most of the work. And what I would also want, what I want from Sting's retirement too I want everybody in that building, whatever building it ends up being, and if there's 10,000 people or more, whatever it is, as a fan, I want everyone in that building to be rooting at their core for Sting to win that match, his last match, and like just putting you know, all of their energy behind cheering this legend on who they're getting one last chance to see. And if I was booking this, my concern would be that you'd have some kind of split with the crowd or that you know people don't want to boo Darby. And my concern would be not just with the quality of the match, although I, I think the quality of the match would be okay. My concern would just be from a crowd reaction standpoint. I think you'd have a lot of people just kind of waiting around, not quite sure how to react, maybe just reacting to the big spots instead of a scenario where if it's Sting and Darby as a team and you can put them up against some kind of red hot heel group or, or whoever it ends up being. And I, I have a couple ideas that I'm honestly not totally in love with. And I I'm hoping maybe you have better ideas than I do. But like, I want everybody to just be rooting on Sting from like the bottom of their hearts to get this guy one last win in his career. And I would be, and I don't think that would be the case with Darby. I think there'd be a more of a muted reaction. And so it's just one of those things that I've, I've seen a lot of people say Darby and Sting one-on-one. -on -one, and that's mm -hmm. like the most often uh, option that I've seen thrown out there. But I think it's one of those things where you envision where, where it actually plays out doesn't quite fit the the expectations that you might have going in mm -hmm. like for me the pro uh, a sting and darby match 
I the idea of it I don't love because they have been side by side the entire run. There's been no signs of dissension. So why would they want to have a singles match, you know, like as a, a the end game for Sting? There there doesn't need to be a passing of a torch. You know, that we're long past the the passing of torch as a beneficial to any wrestler and Darby sure as hell doesn't need it. I mean, he's already established. So this does nothing to elevate Darby higher, but putting him in a position where they can go out with sting on top, that will benefit Darby more than, you know, beating sting one-on-one. If you, that was a matchup. I mean, I think everybody would expect Darby to win anyways, because when you look at it, sting is 65 years old. So if he's beating Darby, then, I mean, realistically, he could just keep going. You know, why would you end it at that? Because you know you could be one of the top guys. So you need to have them as a tag team. And I hate that my mind has been drawn to this as a final match. But as soon as they introduced Ric Flair, all I could think was he is going to be facing off with Sting in that last match. I don't know who he's going to be teaming with. I would not be surprised one bit if it was someone along the lines of a Jay Lethal, who I think he teamed with in his match before. It was Andrade. Andrade, I think, okay. would be the nat- the natural one. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was it was Andrade and Ric Flair against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett in okay, Ric Flair's cool. last match. So- I actually, I have the same thought. Uh, I even have it in my notes here. Um, I wouldn't do it. No, um, not at all. Uh, but I think the temptation is going to be very strong for Tony Khan to put Ric Flair in the ring at some point. Just mm-hmm. you have him under contract now for two years. Um, it's one of our uh, items on our agenda here. So we, we can talk a little bit more about it um, in a few minutes. But I, I, I'm I hoping it won't be. Or if if you are going to put him in the ring, I would put him on the... I would have it as... I wouldn't have him as his last match. I don't... I mean, I wouldn't do that. But I would put him on like the babyface side with Sting and have like five guys on each side so that all Ric Flair has to do is come in and chop and maybe put a figure four on at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm with you. Like one of one of the ideas that I have that I think is possible is Flair and Andrade against Sting and Darby. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the symmetry of Sting's last WCW match was against Ric Flair. He obviously has all this history with them. Um, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I would be petrified if I'm Tony Khan that Ric Flair could die in the ring, which like very much looked like it was in the cards in his last match uh, when he was gasping for air and looked like he had lost consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) So I uh, would uh, stay away from that, but I'm with you. I had like, that's, I think that's on the table. um, Just like you do. And I think it's a strong possibility. It happens. And I pray that it does. That is the last thing I want to see. If you're going to, you have to have someone like an Andrade in there to pick up the slack. At least having Andrade and Darby in there makes it not as bad. And I mean, they're going to do whatever they can can to make it a welcoming place so that when Charlotte's contract is up, she can join both of them in AEW. I mean, why else are you bringing Ric Flair in? We'll get more into that a little bit later. But I mean, I, I I want to be a tag match. You have an endless amount of wrestlers that you could put in that spot. And for some reason, like I could easily see it, you know, like having someone like a Jericho in there just so he can associate himself with Sting's last match as well. It's just the kind of guy Chris is. And I'm okay with that. You know, like the guy's always trying to get over, do your thing. It harms no one. So like, 
you put Jericho in there with whoever he's teaming with at the end of it, so be it. It could e- just as easily be a Golden Jets defending the AEW tag titles against Sting and Darby, mm-hmm. and they win, or Golden Jets win, and that's Sting's last match. Goes out on his back, doesn't hurt Darby at well. At least you know you're going to get a great match between the four of them. I could see that. Now, remember that Jericho teamed up with Sammy against Sting and Darby in uh, in this past summer. That's right. Um, so Jericho did get his little uh, action there with Sting. Let me throw a couple of ideas. This is the best yeah. the best two ideas I've come up with. I'm also I'm conflicted on how I would do the finish. My gut says that you have Sting go over in his last match and mm-hmm. that you maintain this undefeated streak. He he's still undefeated. Um, all of his matches have either been tag matches or even multi-man tag matches like trios and eight-man tags. And I think there's maybe a couple of ten-man tags in there. Um, I'm of the mind, like, if you look at, you know, the Undertaker streak, for example, and Sting's undefeated streak in AEW isn't, like, on that level. But I think it was a big mistake for WWE to have that streak end and to have it end to Brock Lesnar. It was, you know, that was at a time when WWE didn't, really have much going on that fans could be like actually satisfied with and at least as best my memory serves it was like you at least had what was for a handful of years one of the best matches every year in wwe which was you know undertaker and Shawn michaels and triple h and cm punk and edge and all these guys that he was working and you knew that you know he'd win at the end you'd be satisfied and you'd be waiting for the next year and i think them messing that up and giving that rub to brock lesnar who absolutely didn't need it um, it didn't make him a bigger star in any way. And all the heat was just on the company and just like a, this deflated sense from the fans. And my, I, I think if I was booking it, I would just have Sting win his last match and have mm-hmm. it be a pure celebration. Everybody in the arena is happy. They're going crazy. It's the main event. It's, you know, you have the pomp and circumstance of there's maybe some of these other legends and luminaries there to, as part of the celebration. It's just like, let them go out on top with a win let it be a celebration in this memorable moment so my the best idea that i could come up with to have that be the case revolves involves some changing of the current kind of dynamics but i would have adam copeland turn heel and team up with christian and have a heel edging christian against uh sting and darby as his last match and sting and darby can go over Edge and Christian aren't hurt at all by by that. You could kind of play into it with their full gear match that's coming up and how Adam Copeland and Christian have both been kind of layered into Sting's retirement mm-hmm. story anyway. Um, so I think that's one way to go. And I think Adam Copeland should go heel pretty soon anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option would be, um, I would also really like Darby and Sting to win the tag team titles, honestly, before they're done. And uh, I think you could have them win the titles sometime between now and revolution like maybe they beat ricky starks and big bill there's a four-way at full gear that we'll talk about here shortly um so if they kept the titles you could have them beat them um or you could have them win the titles and that's sting's last thing now that would necessitate you know some kind of tournament or something afterwards which i wouldn't love but um so I don't know. I, I I wouldn't hate them, you know, winning the tag team titles on their way out or, or winning it maybe ahead of time. And then they drop them in the last match. But again, that would have Sting losing at the end. So the reality is I'm not like super in love with any of these ideas. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I mentioned that quotation from the ringer piece earlier. I'm kind of interested in what Sting's ideas are and, and how these play out. Um, but yeah, we'll see if, if he does lose. 
Um, and you know, and I know I totally agree with what you said before in just terms of like the passing the torch thing. I just think that's, that's not necessary in situations like this. I think, you know, to get younger guys over to the next level, it it is, but in retirement matches, when it's about celebrating the guy and, and having, you know, fans satisfied, I just don't think it's necessary to think of it in terms of like, well, who can sting put over on the way out? Like yeah. he's, Darby has become a bigger star by this association and so have other guys that have worked with them. And I don't think that needs to be what the goal is. If it is, then what Tony Khan and everybody else needs to be thinking about is who is a guy that we can make sure that if he is going to beat Sting in his retirement match and potentially end this retire this undefeated streak that he's had for the entirety of his run, how can we make sure that it's a guy who deserves it and who can take advantage of it? Like they they need like an Owen Hart who like didn't let you forget that he was the two-time Slammy Award mm-hmm. winner and didn't let you forget that he was the King of Hearts because he won the King of the Ring tournament. You need some guy who, you know, every promo that he cuts between now and whenever he retires, he mentions, I'm the guy who retired Sting. And so I could see that being like a Ricky Starks, if Ricky Starks and Big Bill beat them like on his way out, like I could see, you know, Ricky cutting that promo all the time. But I I would lean, if I was leaning one way or the other, I'm actually, I'm kind of stuck in between because I'd like to see them win the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now I'm kind of leaning towards, you know, uh, them going against a, a heel Edge and Christian, which is total fantasy booking because Edge isn't even a heel yet. But <laughs> they could just, it, I, I think you're right. You know, you started this with saying it could be really any combination and it, it's really just about getting to see Sting's last match. But um, I have put a lot of thought into what the best scenarios are. And yeah, those are the best ones I've com- I've come up with. Well, we've got QT Marshall just sitting right oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's for right. It. So, I mean, hey, why not? But we had mentioned Ric Flair, and I think that took everyone by surprise when Tony Khan trotted him out there. It was rumored to have happened last year, I think, right when the Dark Side episode dropped, and then that got kiboshed. And honestly, it could have stayed kiboshed because the last thing I need as a fan is seeing Ric Flair paraded out there with his history, knowing who he is, I don't need it on my television program. Like, I get that he has a massive history when it comes to wrestling, a huge legacy, but I just, I have zero interest in seeing him on weekly television. I'm I'm done with him at this point. Other, th- other than the CM Punk stuff, which is in like a different category, I, I, I would say this is the biggest, you know, public relations uh, miss by Tony Khan in the history of AEW in terms of, you know, one of the things that I love about AEW is that they like, it feels, and I know other fans have expressed this too, but it feels like a promotion that was booked for me specifically, yeah. right? Like there's times when you'll watch a show and it's like, Tony booked this for me. Right. And I know a lot of other fans feel that too. And so he's always just had he's had his finger on the pulse of his particular fan base for so long. This is like really the first time that I can remember being like, who asked for this, mm-hmm. right? Like what, what AEW fan was, you know, hoping and, and praying for Ric Flair in 2023 to show up. And I will admit like pre dark side of the ring. Um, I think it was, I think it was actually 2021 when he it was maybe first going to be brought in. Cause I, I remember it being part of all like, now, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like it was around the time they had signed Punk and Danielson and there were rumors about Flair coming in too. And it was like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, just throw this star power on top of star power and, you know, have Ric Flair showing up in a limousine, like, um, you know, during the Nitro days or something. But, 
you know, like after that and, and just the whole, you know, two weeks before Ric Flair showed up, Tony Khan is posting on Twitter about, you know, you know, and trying to dunk on WWE yeah. and Vince McMahon for, you know, his, you know, sexual assault allegations and all that stuff. And it, it was like, now you don't have, you know, a moral high horse to stand on, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, so this is just a big miss um, from my point of view. I, I And I almost resent that Ric Flair could be taking attention away from Sting's retirement run, right? Like, Ric, Ric Flair, you already got a retirement run. Like, yeah. I, you know, you don't need to be sharing the stage with Sting. Like, this should be about Sting. It, it does seem like Sting wants him there, which is worth something, I guess. Mm -hmm. But this is just one of those things where I just, I don't think the vast, vast, vast majority of AEW fans were wanting or asking for this. And I think most of them are disappointed in this. And that's just not what Tony Khan has been. I don't, that's not what his history as a booker suggests. Um, I think he's just, he's off the mark here. He had done such a great job of building goodwill with the fans, providing an alternative to what you would see every Monday and Friday nights, you know, listening and booking matches that we had never seen before and not over flooding the market with like rematches and like doing something different, spotlighting different wrestlers, having different people featured. And then you go and do something like this and it's like, you were, you were doing great. And this, it, this to me is a massive step backwards. It almost seems reactionary to a point where it's like, Hey, we got to have this big surprise. And it's like, you, you don't need that. You know, like I, I kind of yeah. feel like they were almost straying away from what they were doing a little too much. Uh -huh. And there, it seems like they're getting back into it with, just with some of the matches they booked, but like signing Ric Flair, it's to me, it has zero appeal. I, other than the fact that you were using this in the same way that Bobby Fish got hired, you know, mm -hmm. I'm presuming to eventually get Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, because why else are you bringing in Bobby Fish in the same way right. Marina Shafir was hired? Hey, and then Roddy Strong comes along. So, hey, maybe you're giving Ric Flair a job in hopes that when Charlotte Flair's contract is up, she's next on your radar, which, hey, I mean, sure. yeah, like there's a good chance that she would sign at that point because, hey, Rick's there, her husband's there. Why not? But like, yeah, I, I it's not worth sacrificing your product just to be able to sign someone of that level. Right. I would say it sounds like from a business perspective, not that we as fans need to worry about this, but it almost sounds like they're being paid to have Ric Flair. Like what I have read in terms of what's being reported is that the money that they're getting from this woo energy drink that is promoted <laughs> on their television is going to more than <laughs> cover the cost of what it, you know, you have to pay Ric Flair so that it ends up being like a net positive in terms of financially for them. So it's like you're getting Ric Flair for free. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say too, just as to play devil's advocate slightly, not that I want to, but as a big WCW mark, like getting to see Flair and Sting and Shivani on a ring, in a ring on TBS was like a pretty huge dose of nostalgia for me. The problem is that it's clouded in, you know, all everything that comes with having Ric Flair. And, yeah. and um, I think if you're, you know, if you're a fan of entertainment or sports in any way, like people listening to this, like, one of your favorite actors or athletes like is a big piece of shit. Like that's just the reality of like, um, you know, how you deal with this stuff is, is like, there's, there's going to be people that are like that. Um, 
you know, uh, if you're a UFC fan, you know, John Jones just came back, biggest fighter in the world, you know, earlier this year, I think it was, he has a domestic abuse uh, charge on his record, a bunch, bunch of other criminal charges, Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou just had a fight in Saudi Arabia, WWE is in Saudi Arabia making a hundred million dollars twice a year. So like, there's all, there's kind of these moral lines that, you know, mm -hmm. when you're a fan of a sports team or a TV show or whatever, like there's sometimes where you just have to be like, and I'm like this too, like, you know, uh, you're just like, all right, well, I'm just going to ignore that because I want to enjoy this thing that I love and I enjoy. And I think the difference here is that with Ric Flair, this is like the first time that you're kind of getting your nose rubbed in it. Um, mm -hmm. and that sucks, uh, yeah. because it makes it harder to ignore, frankly. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's a ton more to say about it, but other than I think what we said before, like, I think, you know, he, he hasn't actually we're recording this on Monday. I think he's promoting that he's going to be on dynamite this week. Um, I know Rick Flair is going to be at some kind of, they're doing some kind of charity thing on the Thursday. So I think he's going to be on television in, in the pay-per-view. They haven't said that officially. Um, he hasn't been on the show since that um, introductory segment. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, I think it's best for everybody. Even if you're thinking about this from a business perspective, like less is more with flair. Like if he's there every 100%. week, then you know what, what kind of purpose is that really serving? So mm -hmm. I think you just, you know, if he shows up every once in a while, you know, they can make that work and then and kind of use him as an attraction. But like I said, I think for the most of the fan base, he isn't a big attraction anymore. Um, at least in terms of like the people that I follow on Twitter and the and kind of the people that I think think like us anyway, that this isn't a huge kind of a, appealing thing for them as an AEW fan. Yeah, I think when you're there live and the music hits, you know, there's the yes. initial pop. Sure. But then as soon as it gets settled in, then people are kind of like, oh, hold on. This guy's a bit of a piece of shit. So why are we cheering <laughs> yeah. him sort of thing? You know, like it almost sets in. So I think that's what you kind of get with it. But like you do hear more and more people being vocal about it. And that's important. Make yourself heard. If you don't want the guy there, then let him know. That's I right. mean, like that's all you can do at this point. And, and I do wonder if if you remember when he was doing his retirement speech, um, so the week before that Flair, the week before Flair came in, Sting was doing the I'm going to retire at Revolution. That was the promo. Mm -hmm. And he was listing off names of guys, if you remember. He, he mentioned Hulk Hogan, booed out of the building. He mentioned Ric Flair, huge pop. And I wonder if that was kind of a sign to Tony, like, okay, it's okay to bring him in now because people have seemingly forgiven him. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that particular test audience of whatever crowd that was and maybe i think he you're right like i think he's going to get a pop in most places that he is and you're going to hear the woo and it's natural to do it if you're in the crowd and and put the four fingers up and all that um but i i and again maybe maybe we're part of a, a minority and that like the bigger yeah. you know of the approximate million people that watch dynamite every week you know maybe most of them are rick flair fans and they want to see this but i, I feel like within our kind of bubble of wrestling fans and the people who think like us and you know the people that we follow online and things like that i i, I don't think so no do you remember when jeff jarrett got signed and people were like hey if he only shows up once in a while that's fine you know like i think you need that but for rick flair where it's only like no he is actually only going to show up once in a while you're not going right. to see him every week that's how you treat him but yeah. Jeff Jarrett, you can have every week because he's great. So on all three, on all three shows, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, heading into twenty twenty four, I mean, 
right now, when you look at it, I mean, 2023, I'm sure we will talk about some of our favorite matches in December when the year is wrapping up. I'm waiting for TK to book Omega Osprey three, just to fuck everybody's match of the year lists up. Um, Heading into 2024, one of the guys I just mentioned is going to be a free agent, and that's Will Ospreay. And you have seen it. He's wrestled everywhere that he can, the exception being WWE, because he can't right now with just the way things are ran. But, like, he's wrestled in Impact, had a great match with Mike Bailey that I'm going to watch after this, you know. He's wrestled in New Japan. He's wrestled everywhere. He's going to be a free agent, and you know everyone will be tripping over themselves trying to bring him aboard. When you see Will Ospreay, to you, what are the standouts for what he can bring to a brand? Well, I think for AEW, he's pretty much exactly what they could use. Um, He would come in and immediately be a huge shot in the arm for them. Um, He's 30 years old. Um, he's an automatic main event player. I mean, they put, they put him over the two biggest shows that they had this year, which is Forbidden Door and All In. They had Osprey go over on two of their biggest stars. He beat Jericho at Wembley Stadium, and he beat Omega at Forbidden Door um, in Toronto. So I think, and we talked about this the last time that we're on, but you know, when I was watching that, I was thinking about this is a preemptive recruitment pitch yes. to will osprey from tony khan of like we love you we're putting you over these guys we want to sign you in 2024 and so to me he's a guy that you can build your company around and um if i'm tony khan i am bringing him in and i am uh one of the main storylines that i'm booking in 2024 is um i i'm bringing him in february of 2024 and I am building um, a huge storyline around Will Ospreay um, eventually going for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship at Wembley Stadium. And I know there was a lot of talk uh, prior to All In about, oh, put on, you know, put Will Ospreay on last and have him go over Jericho. And he did go over Jericho anyway. But I think you had to be a little bit careful about. You know, there's a, a huge possibility of Will Ospreay signing somewhere else and having him, you know, being maybe the the lasting image at, of Wembley Stadium is maybe not something that you wanted to do. But if I'm AW, I throw whatever money it's going to take um, to keep Will Ospreay. Um, well, I guess not keep him, but he, he feels like he's part of the promotion because he has been um, at least on a part time basis for a couple of years now. But if I'm Tony Khan, I do everything I can, throw all the money that I can. He's the he's the biggest free agent that I could imagine that could become available. Um, although there are some other big names that I think we'll probably end up uh, talking about over the coming months, because evidently, according to uh, Sean Ross Sapp, anyway, um, 2024 is going to be a big free agent year for the likes of Becky Lynch is coming up. Uh, Sheamus is another one, Drew McIntyre. So there's some big um, WWE names coming up. And I presumably there's going to be AEW contracts that are expiring in 2024 too. But if I'm Tony Khan, I am putting um, putting out all the stops in terms of um, bringing Will Ospreay into the fold. And like I said, I'm building, you know, one of the big story uh, lines of 2024 is built around 
him chasing the title and having a world championship title match at Wembley Stadium in August. And I also think it's kind of curious, um, just for the people at home, Blair is uh, getting uh, some DoorDash food. So that's why uh, I'm talking for so long here. Uh, so we're waiting for him to come back. So I'm just going to continue my monologue. Um, where was I? Oh, um, that uh, I thought it was curious. And I guess we'll talk about this in December. We'll talk a little bit about Wrestle Kingdom. It's part of the AEW universe. Um, but I thought it was curious that they're not going back to Omega and Osprey at the Tokyo Dome. Um, as of we're, the time that we're recording this, Omega um, is not uh, booked for the Tokyo Dome and Osprey is going against David Finley and Moxley. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, we see, as long as Will Osprey actually goes and, and signs with AEW, I would love to see the Omega and Osprey kind of trilogy get uh, paid off um, in AEW um, in 2024 after Osprey signs with AEW, hopefully. I don't think that I would like the disappointment that would rain down on me if he decides to go anywhere but AEW, because like, as you mentioned, you bring in Osprey, that is an, a main eventer right off the bat. You don't yeah. have to do any work elevating him. He comes in with the aura, the, he just has it. When you yeah. see any, any, and he can promo now. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that was kind of the missing element. I know I was just talking forever, but I just wanted to say that too, that like, this guy cut a go-home promo for All-In face-to-face with Jericho in the ring that sold that match better than they had up to that point. Mm-hmm. He cut that promo before the Tokyo Dome this year in the match with Kenny Omega. Like, he's got it all now, and that's the reality. Like, this is a big, big star, 30 years old, who has it all. I would Like, I've been a mark for Osprey for years. Like, I know, like, we talked about it before. Like, in wrestling, there are a lot of, you know, people who have done some shitty things. Will Osprey? You know, he has his history too. And it's a very fine line where you have to, if something is enough to make you not want to watch a wrestling, you know, and that is very valid. You know, like I will not, if someone said, no, he's done enough that I don't, I can't watch Will Ospreay much. That's fair. You know, like I completely understand that. But like, I've been a fan for Osprey for years. Going back to, I think it was the 2019 best of the super juniors and he just had banger after fucking banger with phantasmo and bandito and all these incredible wrestlers and you see his elevation and like 2020 was a bit of a a year that for many wrestlers it was very shitty because they he couldn't travel he couldn't go to japan he had to almost change the way he wrestled and he, he moved past the junior aspect of it became a heavyweight he changed his style and he has gone, he's risen to a new level, you know, leading United Empire and just being able to, I don't want to say be put in a spot to succeed because I don't feel like he was put there. I feel like he was almost like took that spot and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And I think speaking of his style, my concern with him going to WWE, number one is I just wouldn't watch it because I don't watch WWE other than, you know, a handful of times a year. Yeah. Um, is that he would change his style in a way that now he's not Will Ospreay anymore. And, and mm-hmm. you know, like you look at a guy, and Will Ospreay is better than Ricochet, I think, ever was. But look at a guy like Ricochet, who just kind of like became, 
I mean, I don't know. I don't watch WB, but my sense is that not much, like just a kind of a mid card guy who I'm sure is getting paid very well. So like good for him. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, Will Ospreay has the chance to go to AW and be the top guy in the promotion within, you know, months of being there. Yeah. And that's how I would, I would book him in that way too. Um, and so my concern other than not being able to see him is that he would just change, you know, this guy who over the last four years has become a perennial wrestler of the year candidate would then become someone who's lesser than because he would be trying to fit in with the, you know, the house style of WWE and and that type of thing. I know people have said like, Oh, well, you'd have all these dream matches in WWE. Like he could go against Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. And, and then they just like kind of run out of ideas. It's like, well, who, like who, who are you dreaming of him having these matches with in WWE? Like Mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty short list. Um, And again, I'm not watching any of them, but like Seth Rollins against Will Ospreay, doesn't do much for me um if he's going against roman reigns you know he's going to lose like everybody else has um to me there's a much longer list um and way more interesting matches in AEW, and this seemingly once a month pay-per-view model that AEW is doing like tony you got bring this guy in i want will osprey wrestling on my pay-per-views every month um mm-hmm. for the next five years or however long you can lock him down for because you know the guy's going to deliver um so I, I obviously this is an AEW podcast, but I mean, I hope he goes to AEW. I think it would be a huge shot in the arm for the promotion. It's an immediate top guy that could work with so many different, you know, uh, different guys up and down the roster. And um, like I, I mentioned, while you're grabbing your food there, <laughs> I would, uh, I would, I would, you know, one of my biggest storylines for the year would be, um, gearing up towards Will Ospreay challenging for the world title at Wembley Stadium if I can bring him in and he's under contract. And um, so that would be kind of my my end game um, that I would be, you know, kind of marking in the sand for him. Is like a Will Ospreay winning the AEW world title in Wembley, that would, it would be even more impactful than Bulldog winning in Wembley in 92. Like it would be taken to another level. I I want to add that in, but like when you're talking about Osprey versus Rollins, like, you know what, if I saw Seth Rollins versus Will Osprey that wrestles in New Japan, yeah, I'm into that matchup, but I mm-hmm. am not into a Seth Rollins wrestling Will Osprey under the WWE banner because right. like you had mentioned, his style is going to change. It's going to be different. It's not going to be what Will Osprey is. So right. sure. The names, yeah, that's awesome. Will it be a great match? Yeah, it'll probably be really good. Meltzer will probably give it a solid 4.5. But if you <laughs> gave me Tokyo Dome Will Ospreay versus Seth Rollins, that could be an incredible match, but we would never see it. So that's it's, right. it's all a moot point at this at this point. So um I I have no faith that Osprey will go to Impact or TNA. No, because... I mean let, the reality is he, Barry Bloom is his agent now, uh, who's I guess a big player um, mm-hmm. and has a lot of WWE and uh, AEW clients. When you sign him, that means you're going for the money, which is mm-hmm. great as he should be. I would be doing the exact same thing, um, and I hope he gets paid a lot, and he will. Like that's just the reality. But it's AEW or WWE. Um, and I know people have like, you know, hypothetically mentioned different possibilities. I think the other appeal with AEW is that like, you don't have to close off 
um, New Japan. You don't even have to close off Impact. Like you, you, you can work these other shows. Yep. And if you have outside interests and you you want to do that, AEW has to be your primary one, which yeah. makes sense if you're Tony Khan. But you're not in this like bubble. It's that you you can work other stuff. You, you can signed. still have some New Japan matches. Yeah, you signed with AEW and like you just announced. I mean, you have uh, two of the gates of agony is that their tag name yeah you yep. have them going yep. into the, the world tag league, tag league. so yep. i mean they're doing that moxley and danielson are both going to be doing tokyo dome this year so you are seeing yep. the ability to go work elsewhere how many guys can work independence if they want to i mean mox is showing up at a wrestling revolver event in three days time so that's right you have the opportunities to wrestle elsewhere you go to wwe you're stuck there that's all you're doing if you want to go and make bank hell yeah go for it i mean you may as well but if you want to you know have the opportunity to wrestle wherever then AEW is kind of the place for you you're going to get yeah. those opportunities you're going to get the incredible matches chances are you're going to get paid too so yeah i, I don't and that's see the thing yeah. i think the money is going to be the same either spot so mm-hmm. you know obviously you know it's going to come down to what he he wants um but i think you know there is that appeal of like wwe and wrestlemania and if you're a kid growing up and, you know, WWE was like the dominant brand to you, I can see that kind of like being a, a pull factor, but the money's going to be the same either way. Like AEW has tons of money. They throw millions of dollars at multiple talents. Um, they've re-signed a bunch of guys in the last year or so. Um, so I think the money's going to be the same. And mm-hmm. I just hope that we get to see the Will Ospreay that we've come to know and, you know, in new Japan, but in other promotions too. But if we can take, you know, that new Japan will Osprey and have him, especially on this increased pay-per-view schedule for AW, he's going to be worth the money, you know, in, in short order. Mm-hmm. Um, I had mes- mentioned that wrestling revolver show that's happening on the 16th. And I think what kind of surprised everyone was the announcement that Ronda Rousey was going to be there. She was at a, a Lucha show not too long ago. And the next Thing you know, she's announced as a tag match with Marina Shafir facing off against Athena and Billy Starks. So you have three AEW signed talents wrestling in that match. The Ronda is known to live in California, and Full Gear is emanating from California. Now, what are the chances that we see Ronda Rousey in the crowd at Full Gear? Mm. I would be very surprised to see anything more than that, but I could see a crowd shot with Ronda out yeah. there. And I think a lot of people would be, uh, that would take the, the Twitter verse by storm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I, I think too, part of, you know, my hesitation to be bringing Ronda into AW would be that um, I think there's, you know, they brought in a lot of ex-WWE and mm-hmm. older talent. We've talked about that with Ric Flair. Adam Copeland is another one that's been, I think, polarizing with segments of the fan base, too. Paul White is back for a oh. match this week. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> Which uh, I got to say, I'm looking forward to. I got to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think bringing in Ronda now versus like even like a few months ago, there I think there is a chance for it to, there be, to maybe be more backlash to that now. Mm-hmm. Um now, I also didn't really watch any of her WWE stuff other than, I think, the first mixed tag that she did with uh, Kurt Angle and uh, Triple H and Stephanie, I think, which I thought was a good match. And But that was like four years ago now. Yeah. 
Um, so I can't like base my perception of her based on really anything that she did in WWE. But I think if, I mean, I think you're foolish if you don't think Tony Khan is thinking about it or hasn't talked to her uh, or reached out to her representatives in some way. Like you said, she's wrestling in LA on the Thursday before AEW runs LA on Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think the crowd shot is, is maybe even likely, um, honestly. Um, and it's a good way too. I mean, they did this with Mercedes, um, for all in now. I, I think, I think probably the, just based on some reporting that I've read, I think the story there is that she would have worked the show if she didn't have, you know, her messed up her ankle. And having her in, you know, that box, that suite or whatever was a way to kayfabe her, um, her ankle brace or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, in maybe the same way that the Ric Flair line in Sting's promo was a bit of a test to see, like, how are people going to react? You have you invite her there, you get her on on camera, you see what's the pop like, what what's kind of the reaction on Twitter to having her there. I think it's I think it's possible if she, if she's up for it. I mean, Tony's got the money and I'm sure he's you know, would be interested in bringing her in. My only concern would be this perception of like, this is maybe a time in AEW where there's, you know, a, a perception more than ever before that they're relying on older talent and ex WWE talent. So that would only be, that would be my only real concern with it. Um, but I mean, I think there's a way to have her come in and have it work. I, I mean, you could have her and Marina Shafir jump through the crowd and just judo throw people and just run through them pretty quickly <laughs> um and just kind of do that kind of outsider's angle mm -hmm. um so i think it could work um i don't know would, would you bring her in what what's your thought for me right now the most i'm doing with her is like the skybox shot having her up there just getting seeing what the reaction would be if you showed her on your programming i the the women's division needs so much work that I feel like bringing Rhonda in is almost more of a hindrance than anything mm. because they're going to put so much focus on her instead of building up everybody else. And we've seen the past few weeks where we've been able to get more, uh, more segments, you know, like this past week on dynamite, there was three segments involving women. That should be the norm. You should at least be having that. Like you have such a stacked roster for both men and women give them more opportunities. Like you don't yeah. have to have four women's matches on there, but like have interview segments, have these, you know, vignettes, anything to help elevate them more so that like you have a, you know, solid 10 of them that at any time you could, you know, oh, these two can go out there and have a great match because yeah. right now they're not getting the reps. They're not getting the experience or the opportunities. And it's noticeable. Like it's, give them a chance I, yeah i think i think the solution is pretty easy and i it's like what you say like there's you know 10 or 12 12 might be pushing it of like you know women on the roster that can legitimately go in the ring and that you know will give you a good match every time and i think you know they they had the formula for this when they started dynamite like rio they just put her out there and mm -hmm. she got over every single week working as this underneath underdog baby face in front of these people who didn't know who she was. And by the end of every match, people were going crazy for her because she could go in the ring. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, where is Rio? Like, by the way, like she's like my favorite women's wrestler in the world. And she hasn't been on television for months and months. And maybe there's a legitimate reason for that. I, I you know, I, I don't know, 
but you could between you know Rio and they've they've been dealing with injuries too, like Jamie mm-hmm. Hader and Thunder Rosa, um, and and you know, but if you you know mentioned Statlander and and Sheeta and Athena, who again has been you know on Ring of Honor, you know, yeah. no, not a waste for people who watch Ring of Honor, but you know, I don't watch the weekly television. You can you can put together like eight, ten, twelve um, wrestlers who all you have to worry about is like just put them in the ring and have them work. <gasps> Tony Storm is another one. Now her her gimmick has actually made her a slightly worse wrestler, which is one of the crappy parts of that gimmick. But like because she's playing, she's wrestling as a character instead of just mm-hmm. going. But they have you know this collection of talent that's pretty deep in terms of they can they can actually go. And I, I think the key to unlocking it is just focusing in on those eight or ten or however many it is. And, and Willow's another one that I didn't mm-hmm. mention, but she can go like, just let them wrestle and yeah. give the, give them, you know, a 10 minute match or whatever every week. Like to me, the, the moments that I think of in the women's division that like stand out are all in ring related, like in terms of what the peak was for them, like the Rio matches, like I mentioned before, I just remember mm-hmm. being like completely captivated by this wrestler who I'd never seen before. And who was just, it was just, you know, this classic underdog baby face. And then you, you know, you have, the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker bloody match that people remember. I remember the Tony Storm and Jamie Hader match. I think it was at full gear a year ago where I was just like, it was just this hard hitting match yep. and it stood out amongst a pay-per-view that was filled with matches. And you're like, this, this is what the women's division should be. Just let them work. Mm-hmm. Just let them wrestle there. You know, there are some who don't aren't up to snuff in terms of being able to do that. Those people I would, I don't know, give them the dark matches on Ring of Honor and try to give them the reps off of TV. But there is a group of, you know, wrestlers in this women's division that if you just give them a chance to actually go, they can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not a priority, which I think is just, it's a missed opportunity on multiple levels, frankly. Like the, I know, like she's still relatively new. I mean, I think she's only been doing it for like three years, but like, Anna Jay is one who's, you know, she's shown flashes of it. So like, let her get more opportunities, you know, like it, I see no reason why rampage, you can't, can't have two matches on there, you know, like for what rampage is worth. If you're, if you're not going to like put in the time to make it a show that you can't miss, then what better opportunity at least they're getting live TV matches, TV matches on there. I mean, would I love to see two matches on Dynamite? Yeah, if you have to build them up on Rampage to be able to do that on Dynamite, so be it. But you got to take that step somewhere. And I do like the addition of Mariah May. I think that'll be huge for them, especially once she gets settled. I'm a little skeptical of the stalker-esque gimmick that they're starting off with. It just reeks of WWE to me. But like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and see what they do with it. But like, I don't need the the lore with Julia Hart. I don't need the mist. Just yes. let them go out there and wrestle. Yeah, and Julia Hart's the other one, right? Like she's really shown, you she know, has. shown up. Um, I'm with I'm with you. Like, I, why why is Sky Blue getting? Why is Sky Blue on every single show um, with her mist thing? Like, I I'm just to me, it's not about a quantity of uh, of matches thing. Like I. I I think it's kind of fine if they gave them roughly the same amount of, of TV time. My thing would just be like the TV time that you're going to give them, like make it count and actually have them stand out. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, instead of what is seemingly a lot of times just kind of random pairings um, 
And I mean, a lot of the booking lately around that hasn't made a lot of sense. Like Willow has, you know, is now set up for like three different, you know, title matches, even though she's lost, you know, three different number one contenders matches. But and anyway, uh, we should probably get into full gear here. That's the one of the yeah. main things that we need to do. But I, I, I just think the solution to, you know, we started talking about Ronda Rousey. And I think your point is well made in terms of like the temptation is to bring in this other big name because I think it could draw eyes to this division. But there there are ways, pretty simple ways to if, you know, if you think the women's division needs fixing, there's pretty easy ways to just do it with the talent that you already have. Yes. In-house, you're easily able to fix the problem. You just have to be able to put in the work to do it. So until they do that, then it's going to be just spinning their tires in the mud. Um, before we get to full gear, we yes. have to touch on the Continental Classic. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was announced this past week, and yes. this is the epitome of you want G one. We have G one yep. at home, and I am <laughs> yeah. all for it. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This feels. This feels like you know how Ric Flair was a present for staying. This mm-hmm. feels like it's a present for Brian Danielson because we know how much Brian Danielson had wanted to wrestle in a G one, but now he's you know made this. You know, he, he can't go to Japan for a month with his young family. Like the no. whole point, the whole reason why he's going to retire from full-time wrestling, you know, next summer or in the fall or whatever is because he wants to be healthy enough and wants to be home with his kids. Um, right. I don't know if he had more than one kid or two kids. Yeah, he's know. got two, I think. Two, yeah. So like he can't go to Japan and be away from his family for a month. I'm so pumped for this. This is I this is such a smart way to so the Continental Classic is starting on November 22nd. Yep. The finals of it are going to be at World's End. We'll have a chance to preview that match mm-hmm. when we preview World's End next month. But like what a you know wrestling centric way at the roots of AEW to you know have this round robin tournament that's going to be you know filling up the TV time from you know for the next month. Like I'm so pumped for this. Who, who, who would you say, like, the only person we know in it right now is Danielson. Um, would you say Danielson is the favorite? Do you have, like, a couple people that you have in mind where you're like, I really want them in this tournament? What are you thinking? I, I wrote out a 12 of potential without it interfering with current storylines. Because, I mean, you look at it, okay, coming out of full gear, I mean, realistically, we're going to see Joe and MJF. So yep. either of them are in it, you know. I kept right. Jay White, White out because we don't know what's going to happen at full gear. I kept Omega out because, I mean, him and Jericho, mm. you know, like it's yeah. possible that okay. they continue the tag team. But I've got 12 here. And I think with these 12, you could have an incredible tournament. And I'll rattle them off for you. Yeah, lay them on me here. So we got Brian Danielson. He's already announced. I put in Phoenix, Penta. Claudio Castanoli, yep, Hangman, yep. Swerve Strickland, Takeshita, Santana, nice. Daniel Garcia, yes. Juice Robinson, Buddy Murphy, and Jay Lethal. I like and it. I, I know people will be like, well, why is Jay Lethal in there? Why is you know Buddy Murphy in there? Yeah, you need guys to take the L's, man. Exactly. But they can still put on great matches. And I think yep. that they're really going to be pushing this as a, a work rate tournament. Yeah. Well, all 12 guys I just listed, they can go out there with anybody else on that list and put on an incredible match. Like Swerve versus Santana, that will be an absolute banger of yeah. a match. So, yeah, I hope Santana's in it. I think like they kind of pushed him a little bit just to get his name back out there. 
yeah. what a great opportunity that would be for him because the guy can go. He just needs the the chance to show it. So what would you do for the finals? Have you thought that far along? Oh, I think, I honestly think Garcia is going to be in the finals just by the way they've been like elevating him again. And I think that would be smart. It'd be a way just to bring him back up after the Jericho Appreciation Society kind of brought him down like a significant amount. Like, yeah, it almost made it to the point where he was like irrelevant. So they've started putting in the work to rehabilitate him. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to like put him to that next level. To me, I think whoever wins this tournament should beat MJF. Like I'm ready for, I'm ready for the MJF. Like I know that I don't think they've said the winner gets a world title shot, but I'm just presuming that's what is going to be the end game. Mm-hmm. Um, so MJF has, you know, Joe, like you said, lined up. Wardlow mm-hmm. presumably is going to be someone who he faces too. I'm, you know, I think MJF has had a good run, even if if some of the his programs have been flawed in terms of the creative involved. But I, I'm ready for a new direction, and I, I actually would kind of like it if Joe beat him for the title, but I'm I'm not really anticipating that happening, and I don't think Wardlow would either. So I, I would like to see whoever they're hoping to be the next champion, I think, is who should win this tournament, and that kind of leads you in. The finals are at World's End. That can lead you into, you know, the new year, whatever. You know, if there's a pay-per-view in January or whatever the next pay-per-view is, I'd like to see whoever wins this tournament take the belt off MJF because I, I think it's this – it's it's time for switch i think if we go with that thought process then i think you have swerve win it and your revolution main event is swerve versus mjf and swerve wins it and then i'm running swerve as the champ and you mentioned osprey swerve versus will osprey as your main event at wembley there you go that wouldn't be an incredible match that'd be sick like there we go swerve has reached the level where like he needs to be uh draped up with gold like no question about it his promos have been fire his matches have been fire like dude is firing on all cylinders right now and like you look at what he was doing with nxt and then like they kind of, they dropped the ball big time with him oh yeah even just the fact that they let him go and then he was like, okay. And then he is showing everybody exactly the kind of wrestler he is, the level that he should be on. He is on another level right now. Like he's doing king shit right now. He's great. If if you're putting together a short list of guys that you can see that have a realistic chance of ending MJF's reign, he's got to be on the list, mm-hmm. if not in the top spot. So I, I'm with you. Um, I think he's got to be in the conversation. Um, do you have a, any others that you think you'll see on the, uh, the, the no, tournament? I think, I mean, I'd like to see Roosh in there. Cause he's my guy, uh, Daniel Garcia. Yeah. Daniel Garcia. You mentioned, I'd want him to be in there. Um, did you, did you, did you put Moxley in there or no? I oh, didn't, he's, he's, he, he, he could end up being involved in the international title scene, depending on the result there. Um, Hangman, I'd want in there for sure. Omega, I'd be tempted to put in for, you know, New Japan G1 kind of symmetry. Mm-hmm. I also, now I'm putting this on you and I, I could look it up myself. The World Tag League is going on with New Japan. But other than that, I don't think they have like a ton of commitments between now and Wrestle Kingdom. So I, um, now I don't know this for sure. And I don't know which of their stars are working those shows or not. 
but I would I would love to see a CMLL or a New Japan you know person in this uh, tournament too, just to get a bit more of a variety and have it feel like. I mean, continental presumably is a reference to multiple continents and mm-hmm. that you're going to see some different representation from different countries. So um, I would like, I would love to see someone from outside of the company coming in too. Um, if also, if, I mean, if this is just a way for Danielson to win and get a title shot and, you know, get an, a run as the AEW champion before he, you know, quits as a full-time, like having, you know, you know, last year, this year's re- revolution was, of course, the Iron Man match with MJF and Danielson, and kind of maybe running that back at Revolution. But Danielson wins this time, and then mm-hmm. you can get Danielson and Osprey at all in if we're just continuing with, yeah, you know, the fantasy booking. Like I don't, I don't hate that either. Um, the Swerve is more fresh, um, um, but you know, man, Dan- we're gonna we'll have lots of time to talk about Danielson over the next coming months. But there's another one along with Sting where it's just like tugs at your heart a little bit that it's like this guy's going to be I, he's not retiring and he's made that very clear that he's still going to be wrestling but you know i'm i'm going to try to and I, that's you know since danielson has been back since all out like he's he's been on it's only been like you know two months that he he's been back and really less because he's been out now but like what a fucking run man like this guy is the best to do it like the you know the match with christian and andrade and the two matches with ricky starks and the swerve match on the dynamite that went head to head with NXT. It's like this guy, the tag match, he mm-hmm. was in a tag match with Okada. It's like, fuck, this guy's so good. And there's nobody like him. Um, I'm so glad that he's healthy enough to do this tournament. I, I love that they have the eye patch gimmick that they can kind of play into because you know he's going to tell, you know, stories around the eye and the oral bone mm-hmm. and like, man, I, thank I you. I know, so that good. Tag match, like, especially yeah. at the end, like, Cause you know, like, okay, people are concerned that Danielson's hurt, but then you see like Okada, like mocking him almost. And I'm like, yeah, this is the shit I love like yes. because you find out more later on that he went in hurt already. So like, it makes sense that they would have Okada poking fun at it, but like, right. Fuck. What a great, like just a jam up guy that Danielson, eh? Like I'm yeah. going to go in hurt. You were going to make fun <laughs> of me getting hurt to push for the next, the rematch. Like I loved everything about that. And to further up the, the tag league, I did originally have Ishii on my list. Oh yes. But he is wrestling like throughout some of those shows. So I'm oh, like, okay. Shoot. Okay. Chances are like, he won't be able to do the travel, but I thought like, okay, you put, you put Ishii on there and it's like, you know, you're going to get bangers out of him. So, well, yeah. Can we get G1 Ishii in this tournament? That would be so cool. It's yeah. too bad. I, I guess you, you had done the research that I uh, <laughs> didn't do ahead of time, but that yeah. was the only one I looked up and I was like, okay, well, everyone else that I'd want, they are going to be doing it. You're not going to be able to get Okada in there. Like it's, yeah. I see like the list that people are putting out and like, yeah, I would love for it to be 12 stars in there and just like a best of the best. But like, realistically, you're going to get guys who can put on a good match and take a loss. It's just how it is. It's how Tony books. So you're going to get some lesser guys who maybe, you know, don't necessarily deserve it, but you're going to get great matches. It's one or the other. Yeah. Full gears coming up. We are going to talk about that, then we'll be out of here. But you mentioned before, and like every AEW pay-per-view, it's, I think with the exception of maybe one, has been like just dynamite, no pun intended. Like it delivers every time. It's incredible, great to watch. 
I don't think I've missed one yet. And the the full gear 2023 is shaping up to be more of the same. Um, heading into it, what are your feelings? What are you thinking? Well, I'm pumped for it. Um, one thing that I'll mention, I will go through these matches here. I'm a big uh, betting on wrestling guy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at Jay's Retro, you'll get to see me kind of give my thoughts on that. But I, it's something I'd like to incorporate into this podcast too. So as we go through this card, um, why don't you you can you can mention the mat. We'll go through these one on one. You'll introduce the matches, and then when I, when it's my turn to talk, I'll I'll mention what the current betting lines are, courtesy of betonline.ag they do not sponsor this podcast but they should um i've yeah they should give me even more money uh <laughs> give us some uh, money to bet <laughs> yeah um but no i mean on paper it looks incredible mm-hmm. and you know i think you know in the recent pay-per-views there's been things that you could mention and i think maybe even more so amongst the hardcore fan base of complaints about just the week-to-week television creative but if you look which I think some of it's fair and some of it I don't agree with. Um, and if we had more time, it's something, it was actually a topic on our agenda at some point, but we're, we're already running low on time here, but like on paper, I don't see how, if you're a hardcore AEW fan, I don't know how you could look at this pay-per-view card and not be like, you know, let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get a tag match for the ROH world tag championships. The guns are going to be facing off against the champions, MJF and a TBA. And I know everyone's going to put Joe in there and we're going to get a Joe MJF. I would really love for them to go a different way to go get Joe MJF. And I know because I want so badly, it won't happen, but I want Roddy in that spot. I think that is just going to be absolute money. I don't think we get it though, but hit me with the odds. Hit me with your thoughts. And then we can talk about how the devil should never appear on AEW. <laughs> yeah. Ever again after this yeah, we've got to get rid of that. Oh. Like I, in terms of, and I would say too, we were, we were going to mention it and I had, you know, kind of prepared something to say. So I will say that like that, the devil stuff and the whole mystery, like that is so not, you know, what I look for in wrestling. So like, no. like you say, if, if this devil storyline with the mystery of who this is, can go away sooner like that be fine with me i'm also like pretty easy to just like kind of wash my hands with stuff that i don't like and and focus more on the stuff that i really liked which mm-hmm. there's a lot of that on aw too so i'm pretty good at like hand waving stuff that just isn't for me and maybe more than some other people that look at it a little bit more critically or review kind of the minutiae of every show but yeah come on let's get rid of that like and i part of what i'm worried about is that you know adam cole's injury i think has obviously changed the trajectory of what this story was going to be. And I, my concern is that it's just going to draw this out even further. I, I would like to see Rod, Roddy look good in the match on collision. And and yeah. that's the thing, like the dude can go. I, I don't, I wouldn't rule out that Roddy could be his tag team partner. I, I would say the creative direction is hinting much more towards Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if that is the case, uh, the odds, I actually, I know the timing for this being the first match is bad because they're actually, the odds aren't listed for that on the website. I, I think it's because, they don't know the mystery partner. And so they don't want to post without post the line, the betting yeah. lines without knowing it. So they're actually, you can't bet on that one. Um, I'm of two minds. Like I think you could put the ROH tag team titles on the guns and that would be a nice little get for them. Um, especially if you want to, if it is Joe that ends up teaming with them and then maybe Joe and MJF have some kind of, 
you know, whatever, some kind of angle between them and that cost them the match. And then that helps set up the Joe MJF world title match. I could see that happening, Mm -hmm. but I could also see if whatever the eventual story they had in mind with Adam Cole and MJF was involving the ring of honor tag team titles, which it clearly was depending on whatever the severity of Cole's injury and how long he's going to be out for. Maybe you want to keep the titles on MJF for longer and you wait till Cole comes back. I'm not, I'm not sure how that might play out, but so I not really I don't really have a strong kind of prediction lean for this one. What what are you thinking? Uh, I mean I think you keep running MJF as the tag champs. My like I keep going back to the the devil bullshit and the first go around I mean you saw the devil with three people and as soon as you I saw that I was like okay we got there's three members of the kingdom so there you go the devil Maria Canellis, you're set, you know, it makes her relevant again on television, mm. elevates them to another level. But then this past week, you saw four people. And unless you're going to parade Cole Carter out there as a member of the kingdom, even oh, though Maria is kind of like taking him under her wing, I mean, that is the equivalent of a wet fart. So <laughs> I don't know, like everyone's just throwing like shit at the wall and hoping it sticks when it comes to this like you hear people say like oh it's gonna be jack perry well if it's jack perry then he's got to align himself with three other people and you've got to get that group over now or four yeah people. so I or mean- Britt Brit baker is another one yeah. i've heard which which conceivably like if you wanted to have like adam cole as a mega heel and then you put Britt together and you have these two stars together that that one i i wouldn't mind but mm. part of it is this like i don't care about the story at all like I don't even I don't like I don't even really care enough to like make predictions honestly like I just don't don't care who who it is and I'm hoping and that's the thing with MJF too of like he is so good and to me wrestling is at its peak through these authentic these guys who even though you know wrestling and any kind of form of entertainment you know tv movies or whatever is inherently you know, fictional because that's just what it is. And so there's a phoniness to it. And wrestling has that too. But the guys who are authentic, like the Eddie Kingston's of the world and Danielson and John Moxley and Roosh, who you just have, you just feel his intense energy through the screen. And like historically Mick Foley and Terry Funk and Bret Hart and Dusty Rhodes and these guys that they just feel like they are who they present themselves. Like those are the wrestlers that I attach to the most. Mm-hmm. And the, the crummy part for me and, and kind of what I get the sense of like the people that are down on AEW creative of is like so much of the show now is built around MJF and too much of it in, involves like bad humor. He's getting overexposed. They're doing all these vignettes that are kind of outside of what you could come to expect from AEW and are more typical of like WWE style of presentation. And the frustrating thing is that MJF has it within him and we've seen it this year to be the end in years past that authentic wrestler who can do it all. He can promo. He had that, you know, grimy bloody match with Danielson, the Iron Man match with just like cemented him as one of the best wrestlers in the world. That CM Punk feud that he had, the crux of what made that feud was the promo that he cut where he's talking about, you know, being bullied and all the, the anti-Semitism that he had to deal with. And it was so good and it had to be so good so that when he eventually turned on Punk, the fans didn't think that punk was an idiot for believing him, mm-hmm. but he was so good at that promo that the fans believed him and punk believed him. So that when he turned it, it felt like he had actually betrayed punk yeah. and he had that on authenticity to him. And now like so much of what MJF is doing now is this sticky WWE style pandering babyface thing 
when he just, he has it in him to be so much better and to be authentic. And, you know, as you started this, I think the quicker that they can move away from this, um, the better. Um, And, but we'll see. I'm kind of like I said before, I'm up in the air in terms of what direction they have for these tag titles. Um, Hope it would be nice to get Joe on the pay-per-view. I know you want Roddy. I'm, you know, I guess we'll see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. Um, the AW Women's World Championship, her Hikaru Shida defending her championship against Timeless Tony Storm. Uh, you had mentioned it with Tony, and I mean, like, because the character she's playing, her in ring work has suffered a little bit. It is noticeable. It's not like a drastic, but it's just it's not the same. I'm st- like, I would still love another Tony Storm title reign, but I don't want the title taken off Sheeta just yet. I feel like it needs a little bit of time to just like grow with her. And I don't want a hot potato scenario because I feel like we've kind of gotten that the past five months with the title. As soon as yeah. hater went down, it was just like next up storm. Okay. Then Sheeta, then Soraya or whichever. And it's just like, okay, now we're here. Let's get some stability with it. Let's build it up to what it used to be. And that's kind of where I'm at with this match right now. So for the betting lines, and I will say too, when I'm sharing this, I know there are some fans that try to avoid seeing this stuff because they think it's spoilers. These, these are not spoilers. These are like, there's no smart money on this. Like there's no insider kind of bets on this. Even like they don't decide on the creative for the show until like the day of or whatever. So the, there's no spoilers with me sharing this stuff, but Tony storm is minus three, the minus 300 favorite. And she did not start off that way. I think actually Sheeta was the slight favorite to start. And now she's the underdog at plus 200. So the, the people betting on this think Tony storm is going to win. I, I'm leaning that way too. Um, if, if I, if you're operating under the current betting lines, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't bet on this. Although I, I wouldn't actually, I might put a Paul, a small bet on Sheeta because you double your money. If, if, that's if that's she what wins. I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually tempted the more I think, but I'm kind of tempted, <laughs> but I think the problem with that is that they've promoted this around like Tony's quest for the title or whatever they're saying it is. And so it's so much of the build to this has been built around Tony and winning the title that I, I feel like she, I think is rightfully the, the betting favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, I mean, I, I kind of, when this character first started some of the stuff that she was doing with RJ city, like I liked, I liked it. It was different. It was like good character work. The disconnect to me, I think it's now there's too much of it and it's, yeah. and it's, it's part and parcel of it. If you put it together with the MJF silliness and the sky blue mist and some of this other stuff, there's just too much of that, you know, type of, I don't know, silliness that I don't like uh, in my wrestling, if I could keep it to a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it was when she had a match with Kira Hogan on collision, like a couple months ago or a month and a half ago. And she came down to the ring with like her smeared lipstick and she was acting all crazy. And I'm just like, I like the character and I can, I can see the creativity in it. And I, and you know, the interview with RJ city was kind of cool but if you know one one of the things that makes Tony Tony Storm stand out is that she can actually go in the ring like I mentioned yeah. before and if the character makes her a lesser worker then what are we even doing cuz ultimately mm-hmm. like you're trying to build to these big pay-per-view matches and if she's going to be a worse wrestler in them because of this gimmick then it's not worth it in the end mm-hmm. um so I I'm with you I would like to keep it on Sheeta and um kind of go from there but I think Tony Storm is probably the rightful favorite. The other thing too, last note, Mercedes Monet. Uh, <laughs> we say this all the time, but she, you know, she's she's even mentioned before. Like, is this going to be the time where she actually shows up and is actually a part of the program? I think it being in LA, 
Uh, Mercedes has teased it on her social media that there is a chance that she could make an appearance. If she would, I, I think it might be involved in this match, like maybe coming out to challenge the winner afterwards or something. So I do think that's something to just kind of um, log away in the back of your mind if you're an AEW fan that maybe this is the time that she after all those other times that it seemed like she was going to, that this could be the time where she actually comes out to the ring and uh, could be part of the show. We had talked about Sting briefly, uh, or not briefly. We talked about him a good chunk of the the uh, episode, but he's part of a six-man tag. we got Sting, Darby Allin, and good old Adam Copeland facing off against Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. And, I mean, I think the we're going to see this more develop even more after this match with the edge christian whatever direction they seem to go and it's almost more along the lines of a vehicle to get them to there like that's what i'm looking at this match as like it'll be a really good match but it's like it's it's still continuing after this we're still going forward oh yeah i i think so too i think they'll do the singles match um like i said earlier i think you know i think adam copeland will kind of unlock his peak of creativity once he turns heel, like what happened with Christian Cage, um, mm-hmm. who was kind of floundering and didn't really have a particular role or program to really sink his teeth in. He was just, when he first signed with AEW at Re- Revolution in 2021, they brought him in as that big free agent. He was doing the outwork everyone gimmick, was just kind of this generic baby face, yeah. was kind of trying to fight his, find his footing. And then once he got into the longer term story as the mentor to uh, luchasaurus and jungle boy and then you know gradually and subtly turning heel over months and months and months and then he he's kind of now he's found it um and i think you know adam copeland will find his creative footing i think at its peak as a heel in aw2 um, but i do think they will probably have a singles match i could even see it being at world's end mm-hmm. um if you do want to bet on this one i would say don't uh <laughs> adam copeland darby allen and sting are minus 2000 favorites um so sting has not lost a match in AEW. i don't see this being another one of those cases it's also only the third match that adam copeland has had in AEW, so i don't really see the him losing yet either um but if you want to lose some money um you could at uh christian cage <laughs> and luchasaurus and nick wayne are plus 700 so maybe if you first maybe if you're like me and you do think that adam Kill, adam copeland might turn heel sooner rather than later Maybe this could be the inciting incident towards that maybe yeah. happening. Um, so you could put maybe a small bet on, on Christian Cage's team, but um, don't see that happening. And I, th- I think this will be a good, I mean, I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, Orange Cassidy defending the international championship against John Moxley. I love Orange Cassidy as the international champion. I think he has without a doubt had one of the best years when it comes to match quality on a consistent basis where it's not like main event level, like Will Ospreay-esque, you know, like you put Orange Cassidy out there. He was having great matches with AR Fox. He had a great match with Jeff Jarrett. I mean, every single time he defended that title, we got an incredible match. And I mean, there was the incident where Mox, you know, they had to kind of recover and he had to drop the title. Phoenix won. Yeah. Orange gets it back. But I liked what they were building with Orange where he like, he wanted the title. He needed the title. Like yes. that was like what kept him going, which is a far cry from before where he like just didn't care. So him needing that title to keep going, getting that title and even the interactions they had were like, you know, throwing the shoulder into each other, the little things like that. Like, yeah, I know it's a rematch, but 
the rematches on this card have me so hyped up right now. It's not even funny. Like, I think this has match of the night potential written all over it, just with how hard these two can go. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, they're, if it wasn't for Danielson and Starks, then to me, Mox and Cassidy would have been matched the night at all out when they wrestled the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking before about how the peak of my, what I think the peak of wrestling in is, is those authentic wrestlers that make you believe. And you wouldn't think on the surface that Orange Cassidy is one of those guys, but he plays his gimmick. So like, he is just his gimmick. Like if you, when you look at Orange Cassidy, you think that that is Orange Cassidy, how he actually is. And when he he kind of put it all together to me in that dynamite before before all out this year, where he cut that promo about, you know, talking about how much the international championship meant to him and how much he wanted to beat Mox. I was like, and I love Moxley. He's one of those Mm -hmm. guys I mentioned before. I would have ran through a wall for Orange Cassidy after that promo. Like I was just like, this guy has to win. Like I wanted him to beat Moxie so bad. And so um, I think this has a chance to be the match of the night. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I will say I'll try to do my jr's bet of the night um when we do these pay-per-view rundowns this would be the one for me so i would bet so moxley is the minus 200 favorite um and uh cassie is the underdog um he's at plus 145 so i would bet on orange cassie at plus 145 i think he's gonna win um my only hesitation i i that's the way i'm going that's how i think they'll go and i i think um I think they should have Cassidy um, have a, a longer run with the international championship and, and get, have another long run because I think it helped him. Um, and I think he this win, I think he should have won it all out because I, I think it would have just made Orange Cassidy and cemented him as like in a tier above what he was before. Yeah. And now I think they have a chance to redo that. My only hesitation would be that of course I, I'm sure they had a longer term plan with Moxley as the international champion before he lost to Phoenix in a fashion that he wasn't actually supposed to. There was an audible called there. So my only hesitation would be that they wanted to get it back on Mox to do whatever the original plan that they had for his run. But I do think ultimately it was going to end up getting to Cassidy and Moxley again and a rematch. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is happening sooner than they had planned. I'm not sure. Um, but I think I think Cassidy should win this time and get the big win and cement him as one of the biggest stars that they have and and truly elevate him to a level that he um, is higher than even now. So that's how I would do it. Hangman Page versus Swerve Strickland, Texas Death Match. The same vibe as the Mox Orange Cassidy. This being a rematch, and once again, they have done a great job getting me invested in continuing this feud because I mean. It's so easy just to have a rematch, no stakes, you know, like just the the bullshit that sometimes happens. But like having the swerve, you know, the home invasion and then people will say, you know, like Hangman should have had a rebuttal sooner. But like, I'm okay with how they did it because this past week with him coming out and just leaving swerve and the pile of rubble there, like. Yeah, that's, that's enough for me for what I need. You had that. You had the promo on Collision, I think it was, saying Texas Deathmatch. Like, fuck yeah, I'm fully into this. These yeah. two are going to burn down the house. It's going to be great. And I, I love the idea of this being uh, the gimmick. This is Hangman's gimmick now of like mm-hmm. the Texas Deathmatch. He had it with Moxley earlier. There's arguably a match of the year candidate. It's probably in my top 10. We'll have to talk about our top 10 AEW matches of the year when we uh, record next month. My buddy uh, Ricky Hart on Twitter um, had messaged me before and was like, Hangman should challenge uh, 
swerve to a Texas death match. This was like a week or two ago. He said this mm-hmm. to me after the home invasion. And it was all I could think about. I'm like, if this doesn't end up being a Texas death match, I'm going to be so mad. And then finally we got that confirmation on collision. So I was so happy. Um, and um, I'm with this, another rematch, like you said, but another one that has a chance to be the match of the night in terms of betting um, hangman is minus 400 favorite. So people think that Adam page is going to win swerve is plus 250 to win. So underdog, um, I will say to brag, you got to, it's, this is not a good time to be betting because you know, the, uh, a lot of people have made their bets and have changed the lines quite a bit. And so sometimes when they originally set the lines, they, um, kind of mess it up and don't know quite what to set it for originally. Mm -hmm. So originally hangman was actually the plus 250 underdog. And so that I have him at plus 250. I already made the bet a couple of weeks ago. So I feel pretty good, especially now with the Texas death match, uh, stip that hangman's going to win. And what I would love, I, I want Hangman to win. And I think he should. And I, I'm with you. Like I think you could, you could have Hangman win this. It doesn't really hurt Swerve, especially oh. when, when you're a heel. Like if you're a heel, you're supposed to kind of lose matches like this. It's just mm-hmm. what happened. But I think a way to kind of save face for him is you put him in that Continental Classic tournament, and he shows well there. And it's like, boom, you, you've you've made two people, or, or you've got two people over here, and. I think Hangman should be a big part of their future plans into 2024 because I think kind of having him as a, a single star is the way to go um, going forward. Um, the Golden Jets facing off against the Young Bucks. If the Golden Jets win, they get the AEW tag team opportunity. If the Bucks win, the Golden Jets must disband. So the Golden Jets have potential to go up there with such great merch opportunities as Y2 AJ. Um, that's a big <laughs> one. I'm sure there's a couple more, but that one always stands out to me. Jericho. Jericho. So, hey, Golden Jets could be right up there. And I'm torn with this one because I think me there's, too. A, there's a lot of potential with a Golden Jets run. But fuck, if we could get a heel elite coming out of this with an elite Kenny Omega, like, hey, give us a face Jericho versus heel Kenny feud out of this. But like, I love that we're getting the young bucks being the shitty heels again. Yeah. They're so much better as heels. They're so much better as heels. Yeah. When I saw, when I saw the promo segment that they did to set this up, I was so invigorated by that. Like I was so pumped that they have the bucks back in like an actual story with them cutting a promo, like the bat, the, I think it was Renee that was there and you had Jericho and Omega on one side and the bucks and Matt was really dominating the promo and was just kind of his smart, uh, swarmy, like smart ass self. And, you know, was really digging into Jericho and Omega and Omega just finally saying like, all right, bitch, like, if you don't think we can beat you, like I'll team up with Jericho and we'll have a fight and like, we'll do it. Like, I just, I love that. I love that we got to see that side of the bucks again. And I'm just mm-hmm. a huge mark for Jericho and Omega. So I'm, but I'm with you. I'm torn. Like I could see kind of either outcome, um, in terms of betting, uh, the Golden Jets, you actually can't bet on them right now. There's a little a lock sign on them. So they've <laughs> locked the betting for the Golden Jets. When they originally posted, they were the underdogs. And now I think people kind of jumped on that. And so uh, the Bucks are actually the underdogs in this match. You can bet um, just like Orange Cassidy was plus 145. The Bucks are plus 145. Um, I'm tempted. I, I don't want to say that's a lock. But um, after we're done recording, I might just jump into my uh, bet online uh, and add a couple <laughs> of bucks to the uh, my account because I feel like they obviously they had a plan for the young bucks 
to get a title shot at some point, right? Yes. Like that's why they won whatever it was, a, a battle Royal, or I forget how they set that up. The four way. Was it a, okay? A four way. So um, I, I feel like the original plan, Dave Meltzer might've even mentioned it was like to do the young bucks against FTR at full gear. Mm-hmm. So I imagine they want the bucks to win the titles at some point. So I'm tempted to say the bucks are a good bet at one uh, plus one forty five. And that's probably the way I would go in part as much as I would like to see a longer Jericho and Omega tag run. I also just think in much the same way that getting a singles hangman um, back and like signing a Will Ospreay and like getting a, a full-time Kenny Omega singles run um, after, you know, at least the initial part of the year was he was in the trios with the box. And then there was a lot of multi-man elite matches kind of with that feud with the Blackpool combat club. Um, I just think like, let's get a singles Omega run and let's like see him go out like all out that he just signed a new deal. Like let's see singles. Kenny Omega be a big part of this company next year. Uh, we'll motor through the next three just to, to get us on our way, but we got a three way for the AW TBS championship with Chris Statlander versus Julia Hart versus either red velvet or sky blue. Um, I saw people talking that they think it's Julia Hart's time, you know, to win some gold. I'm not going to lie. I want to see Statlander keep the title and keep, she has barely had any matches lately. It seems after coming out like a ball of fire when she first won, I think I need some more Statlander matches before I see her give up the title. And I, I have been a big fan of Julia Hart, like lore aside, but Eventually, I would love to see her win the gold, but there's a lot that I'd like to see win the gold. I still want to see Willow win the gold. So yes, I'm I'm torn with this one. Uh, there's no betting lines for this one just because the match isn't official yet in terms of knowing the participants. I think that's the same thing that's happening with the the MJF tag match. I, I'm I'm with you. Like I'd like to see Statlander have a longer run. She's another one of those. If I was booking this division throw Chris Statlander into the mix of those eight or 10 or 12, whatever it is of like girls who can actually just go and like, let them wrestle. Um, So I'd, I'd keep it on her longer too. Although I, I think they'll probably switch and put it on Julia Hart. That yeah. was the, that was the wrestle dream match. Wasn't it? Wasn't it uh yeah. Statlander and Julia Hart uh, wrestle dream in October. So I think because they're going back to the well, I, I could see it's obviously a three way this time instead of one-on-one, but I think there's a lot of momentum and fan kind of interest in Julia Hart. And I think she's probably the hotter act of whoever the three end up being. So if I had to make a prediction, I'd say, I I think we'll see a title switch. I think Julia Hart will will win. Yeah. I I fully expect sky blue to play a factor into it, whether she's in the match or outside. Oh yeah. Right. So, but this is one that like, I'm very, it, it could be a really good match, but it hasn't garnered my attention just yet. I think it, it's missing a little something just to like kind of really bring me into it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. The match I fully expect to be great, but like the buildup is lacking something to me. Yeah. This will be the one where I'm flipping my chicken wings in the air fryer and grabbing <laughs> a, a, another beer from the fridge. Probably. Um, the four way for the AEW world tag team championships. We've got uh big bill and Ricky Starks defending against LFI versus FTR versus the Kings of the Black Throne. And I mean, I would love for the Kings of the Black Throne to get a tag title run. I would love for LFI to get a tag title run. Yeah, FTR, 
right now they can take five for all I care. <laughs> I, I love FTR, but like I, I get tired of Dax sometimes, and they've had yeah, some really I get it. shirts lately. Um, <laughs> but like uh, Roosh's match this past week with uh, them against the Work Horsemen was fucking fantastic. Yeah, Roosh every week. So if they're not going to win, give me singles Roosh then. But like, yeah. To me, I think we still get Ricky Starks and Big Bill walking out with the gold. I don't think their time's done just yet. They are the betting favorites. So Starks and Big Bill are minus 250. FTR is plus 400. House of Black is plus 400. And LFI is plus 600. So the the three challengers are pretty big underdogs. So if you really like one of those teams to win, there's a chance to maybe make a little bit of scratch on that. But I'm with you. I think Starks and Big Bill will win. For me, I love Roosh too. Like I, I friggin' love the guy. I just love his whole presentation. He's got the it factor. Mm-hmm. He's lacking in the promos, but he's got everything else. He's like a modern day. He's like a combination of like I don't even know what Randy Savage, just with the intensity, and I don't even know who else to compare him to. Um, I had I had it the other day. I thought it would come to me as I was talking there, but he's just so like he's so good. I I want to see singles. Like Roosh, like Drillisco's fine. Preston Vance is fine as like the second and thirds as part of a group. But I think you have that faction to put the spotlight on Roosh. Yeah. And to me, he's a guy that I, I would like. I know I've said that now in all these previews about Omega and Hangman and all these guys that I'd like to really see get a singles run. But um, if they put the tag titles on him, I wouldn't be upset with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I want some singles gold in his future and I want them to have something that I want him to be part of a program where he's spotlighted and he's a big part of their programming going forward. I should preface all of this by saying I actually do like FTR. I think they're a great tag team. I'm just a little tired of FTR. So no, I get it. I mean, Dax is like, has one of the most annoying like Twitter profiles that there is. He's so like, um, what's the word? Uh, he's so needy. Uh, and, uh, (laughs) Like there's one time where Renee, I forget Renee Paquette, like whoever he was wrestling on that night, she had tweeted out how much she likes the theme song of whoever he was wrestling. And then he replied like, you know, what about me? Essentially he's, he can like, I love FDR too. They're like, you know, one of my favorite tag teams, but the whole, like, will we, or won't we stay with AEW and teasing that they're going to jump to WWE earlier this year is like, well, what's the, what's the point of this? Like, this doesn't make you a baby face. This makes me not want to like you because you're threatening to jump to the company that I don't like and that I won't watch. So um, I I'm with you. Like, you don't have to explain yourself to me. Like I totally get it. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, peak, you know, where's my hug guy coming from Dax. Yeah. But like, <laughs> give me an LFI FTR feud coming out of this. Oh yeah. Let there them smack the shit out of each other. Yeah. Yeah. That, you could get some incredible matches coming out of that, but um, main event. MJF defending his triple B against Jay White. In no world do I see Jay White walking out with the title. And I mean, because it is so like, you know, I can't see it. Then like, maybe that's the time you get a swerve, but it's, I don't see it being now. That's the thing, you know, like with him getting the pinfall at the last show or uh, a few weeks back, you know, in that uh, eight man tag, it's building it up for like peak storyline MJF winning. That's how I see it. Oh yeah. That's how the betting uh, is coming into uh, wouldn't bet on this one either folks. Uh, MJF is minus 5,000 favorite. So the overwhelming uh, favorite in this Jay White is plus a thousand. 
which is like great odds. If you think Jay White even has a small chance to win, putting a couple bucks on that isn't the worst idea. But, mm-hmm. um, and I think as much as I, I really like, I, I think MJF is getting overexposed and he's, he's too much a part of, like he used to be underexposed, right? Like they used to be yeah. like the thought of he doesn't wrestle enough. Um, and now he's just, he's in so many segments in a way that is, you know, not what is typical of AEW. And um, I, but having said that, I like that there's multiple talents that are like, I want to beat MJF and I want to be the world mm-hmm. champion. Like that, the world champion should be the the center focus, probably not as much as MJF or at least in different ways. Like there's too much bad comedy and, and shtick like we talked about. But I think one of the, one of the downfalls of having, three, four, five, whatever it is, guys gunning for you is the perception of like, well, we know they're also setting up an MJF title match with Joe and they're also setting up presumably a match with Wardlow in a way that makes you, the result of this match seems pretty obvious in terms of MJF going over. Now, I think the match will be awesome. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a tough task to be the final match on a show that is like all AW shows super stacked. But and I think they will eventually get people to buy in. Um, but they're they're going to be in tough, I think. And I don't think there's a ton of doubt about the outcome of this. Not at all. I would be very surprised. And I mean, if you do run Jay White as champion, I mean, like it's at least it adds the unpredictability that like yeah, okay, you had Wardlow, you had Joe, you had Omega, all gunning for MJF. You know, they want their shot. He loses. Jay White's the new champ. Now you're kind of like those guys having to shift focus. I don't know. There's a way you can make it work, but I don't see it ever happening in this era of wrestling. It's not 2000s WCW. So just one of those things. But yep. um, that is the full gear card. That is it for this episode of Chilling with JR and Blair. Um we do not have a Twitter account for this podcast. We will probably never create a Twitter account for this <laughs> podcast because it is fucking exhausting just running <laughs> one. So, um, yeah, we'll promote it. You, you can promote it on the grain maker feed. I'll yeah. promote it on mine. Like people will, will know about this. Yeah. And, so, yeah. I mean, you, you can find me at grain maker pod. Um, I did create an email address. So if you have questions or comments, concerns, you can email chilling with JR and Blair at gmail.com. So that's there we the go. Address. Yeah. Email your questions. <laughs> in. If you have questions for us, I can't, Oh my God, someone please email someone just for next December. We're going to be, we'll record and probably going to be recording on like Christmas week. We'll have to figure that out because yeah. world's end is the 30th, I think, but what a, what a Christmas present that's going to be for everybody. But our, your Christmas, <laughs> if you're listening if you're still listening to this at the end of this episode and you're hearing to us talk or listening to us talk right now, your Christmas present to me can be emailing. What, what's the email address again, Blair? Chilling with JR and Blair at gmail.com. Email that address with a question. <laughs> and I promise you, we will answer it <laughs> on the next episode. That can be your Christmas present to me is emailing us a question. Uh, and what's your Twitter in case? Because uh, I don't know if you gave it yet. So uh, my Twitter is at Jay's Retro. It's mm-hmm. also a protected account. I might uh, make it unprivate just for the purpose of promoting this. I haven't decided yet. But if you do want to follow me, then you can put in a follower request. And if I see that uh, you also follow Blair on one of his profiles, 
then I will accept your request and I'll follow you back. Uh, I'll say that at a minimum. And also, please email us. Send us an email, please. Well, <laughs> hopefully we get one question because I think that would be great. It would be a Christmas miracle. So that is it for the first episode. On behalf of both of us, thank you so much for checking this out. We had a lot of fun recording it, and I'm already excited for the December show. So thanks again for checking out the podcast, and we will talk very, very soon.